Hi, Online Church family. I'm so glad that you could meet with us here. We're about to go into a preach that I delivered recently, and I really hope this blesses you, it inspires you, it takes you further in your walk with God. That's my heart for you as you watch this. And if it really does bless you, why don't you go ahead and share it with someone who you think needs to hear it? Uh, make sure you click like and subscribe so you don't miss any of our messages here that we upload weekly. And um, jump in the chat so we can connect with you as well so you're not a stranger. So sit back and enjoy. I hope that you get blessed. So here we are. It's uh, mid-June. We are heading into July, which is amazing. And um, I kind of every couple of years take the opportunity to teach giving. Did you know there's a difference between teaching and preaching? Yeah? So you're up for a bit of teaching tonight? Teaching is so important because it lays foundations in our lives. It unpacks truths and, you know, preaching is also really important. But tonight we're gonna, I'm going to talk on the four types of giving. Did you know that there are four different ways that you can give in the kingdom? Four different ways. And the problem is is that many people pick which type of giving they want to give and they expect a return that might be ascribed to a different type of giving. And then they say things like, I tried that, it didn't work. And so tonight I want to unpack what the four types of giving are and what the fruit of that giving is so that you don't need to say it didn't work because I promise you it will always work the way it's meant to work. Many of us just don't know how it works. Are you ready? Are you ready? Awesome. All right, did you know that, the, that money is mentioned more than 800 times in the Bible? More than 800 times. Did you know that meek and mild Jesus, who everyone loves to paint him out to be, actually spoke more about money than any other topic? Money is a big deal because it is the root of most of our motivation. It's the root of most of our fear, the root of most of our behavior, the root of most of our decision-making is filtered through the filter of finance. And so the best thing I can do is help you understand what God says about it. Because anything God says is for our own good, because God loves us. And so that's the best thing I can do when it comes to finance is to teach you what God says about finance because we live in a financially driven world. It's a sensitive issue. It's the issue that affects marriages, families, esteem. It affects everything. Money affects everything. And I want to tell you, money actually has nothing to do with how much quantity of it you have and everything to do with how you perceive it. I'll say that again. It's got nothing to do with how much of it you have, and it has everything to do with your perception of it. And so when we give according to God's Word, we can access His truths for finance. And so today I wanna, you're wondering what these apples are for, right? Can I have a couple of volunteers, two volunteers? <laughs> Nina, why don't you join me? <laughs> Nina, you can come and stand on the stage here next to me, right here. 
Yep, just jump up unless you want to do the gracious. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Um, Jesse, you can come and stand here right at the front. No, no, at the, yeah, down there. All right, Nina, come here. Come and stand like just in front of Jesse and hold this apple. Okay. I'm going to ask you a really difficult question. If you were to hold this apple out, Jesse, you might need to like get ready. Um, if you were to hold the a- apple out and let go of it, what would happen? Jesse would catch it. Why would he catch it? Because it's going to... Fall. It's going to what? Fall. Right. Okay. So let's, let's just practice that. Okay. Are you ready? It's not hard. This bit's not hard. You ready? <laughs> Woo! Okay. So um, what if you do it this time? What's going to happen? He's going to grab it again. Because it's going to fall. It's going to fall again? Okay, let's... I don't, I don't believe you. It, two out of two? Okay, show me. <gasps> it happened again, guys. Can I have that? Do it again. Surely it won't happen again. <laughs> Nina, are you telling me that, like, will it do the same thing every time you let go of it? Yes. So every time you let go of this apple, it's going to fall? Yes. Why? Because it's going to fall. <laughs> but what, what causes it to fall? Gravity. Gravity? So this thing called gravity, which we can't see, means that every time you drop this apple, it's going to fall. What if I drop the apple? I'm going to try it. I'm going to see if gravity works for me as well. Oh, it did. Thanks, Nina. Can you get someone else to come and replace you? I'm going to see if this works for everyone. Come, Maddie. Okay, Jesse, you jump up here and you can, you can see if it works for you and, and if Maddie can catch. Okay, you ready? Oh, my gosh. It worked for Jesse as well. Try it again. Two out of two. Wow. So this, this, thank you guys, you can sit down. So this thing called gravity, it works every single time. It's a natural law. Every time I drop something, it's going to fall because of gravity. There are natural laws, whether you see them or not, that happen every single time. Every single time time. We live according to natural laws. There's a Barak, Bernard Barak said this, millions of people saw the apple fall, but Newton was the only one who asked why. And the story goes that Newton was sitting under a tree and an apple fell out of the tree and bumped him on the head and he went, And he started exploring this concept of what causes things to fall. And so Isaac Newton gave us the law of gravity. Now, can you imagine having a coffee with Sir Isaac Newton and saying to him, I actually just want to talk to you about this law of gravity. I don't like it. It's very inconvenient to me. 
And so I choose not to ascribe to the law of gravity. He's going to say, tough, like, good luck with that. Because whether you like it or not, gravity is gravity. And whether you ascribe to it or not, it's going to happen every single time. Because it's a natural law. Well, the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And so what that means is the natural world is actually not even as real as the supernatural world. And just as there are natural laws, there are supernatural laws that work every single time. Can I tell you, just because an atheist insists that God doesn't exist, does not stop God from existing. And the same goes for the person who says, I don't believe in tithing. Well, that's very convenient, is it? Isn't it? The truth is, tithing works. Giving according to the word of God works because there are supernatural principles that are found all the way through scripture and giving is just one of them. There are supernatural principles around Uh, spiritual warfare, worship, prayer, fasting. Giving is just one of the supernatural laws that we can ascribe to. And that's the one I want to unpack for us tonight. And so just like we wouldn't dispute gravity, we can try to dispute other spiritual laws, but it just doesn't make sense because what God says happens. The only problem is when a person tries to give one way, expecting the prescribed outcome for a different way. And God will only do what he promises in his word that he will do. And so you can't blame him for not doing something he never said he would do. Are you with me? So there are four types of giving. Can you say four? There are four types of giving. Each one has a different motivation. Each one has a different rate of return. Can you say rate of return? They are all different and they all function differently in the spiritual realm. And so the confusion and the disappointment and ultimately the discontinuation that many people come into is because they mix up the different types of giving and want one outcome when they're actually ascribing to this outcome. Now the first one underscores every other type of giving. If you do not do this first one, then the other three are completely ineffective. And the first one is tithing. The tithe. What is a tithe? A tithe is 10% of your income. Now, I'll let you take it up with God, whether he's talking about gross or net, okay? That's between you and God. But tithing means my income comes in, I take 10% and I sow it into the storehouse. Malachi 3 verse 8 to 12 says this, Will a man rob God? Can we rob God? He's saying, well, you have robbed me. How, they say. In what way have I robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. And because of that, you are cursed with a curse because you have robbed me even this whole nation. So bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. 
Now try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground and nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed and you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Tithing is the foundation of giving. It underscores everything. And tithing, your tithe, that 10%, actually doesn't belong to you. Your tithe belongs to God. You don't give a tithe, you pay a tithe. That 10% belongs to God and the other three types of giving which we'll cover are completely ineffective if we're not tithing. And so God is referring to blessing. He says, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing on you. And so blessing is defined as being fruitful, being able to multiply, being able to replenish, being able to subdue and have dominion. And so God's saying, if you tithe, you will be blessed and I will open the windows of heaven over you. And so the motivation here is if it's not yours and God's asking for it, the motivation is simply obedience. You just actually need to be obedient. Do you know there are many things in the walk of, uh, of the walk with Christ that just require obedience? And tithing is one of them. We just obey and do it, and there's a promise attached to it. And so it requires, tithing is required to reconnect me to the blessing that Adam and Eve lost in the garden when they introduced the curse. Tithing, that there may be food in my house. So the question is, where do you give your tithe? The storehouse. What is the storehouse? The house of God. You sow your tithe into the house of God. And so Jesse DePlantis says this, it's better to be 90% blessed than 100% cursed. And it amazes me and it is the story of my life, what I can do on 90% compared to what the world does on 100. When God's blessing is on your life, it doesn't add up. It's supernatural. It goes into the other realm. It changes things and things shift. And so the motivation is obedience and the outcome is blessing and protection. He says, I will rebuke the devourer. What is the devourer? The devourer is anything that's trying to rob from you, anything that's trying to bind you up, hold you back, limit you anything that's trying to undermine you, the enemy is rebuked on your behalf. Tithing is like insurance. (laughs) So the outcome is blessing and protection and the third outcome is food in the house. Food in the house. What you're receiving every Sunday in a service is spiritual food. The fact that we can turn the lights on, the fact that we can run programs, the fact that we can do those things means that tithe has been brought into the storehouse and there's food in the storehouse for us and others. So the outcome is blessing, protection and food. That was number one and that's the one 
that underscores the others. Number two is first fruits. And to be totally honest with you, this is the one that's probably the hardest for me originally to get my head around. I can sort of quantify the others, but first fruits is so vague. The only thing clear about it is that you give it first. But there's no amount prescribed to it. There's no direction around it. All it is, it's the first fruit of all your increase. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honour the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Has anyone got any barns? No? Any vats? No? (laughs) Bank accounts? Right. So... Honour the Lord your God with the first fruits of your increase that your barns will be full of plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And so in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, first fruits are mentioned. And the motivation for first fruits is actually generosity. Because what this is, is it's, it's your increase. So say you get a pay rise you give a first fruits offering off that portion. Just once. It's a once-off offering on the increase. Maybe you get a Christmas bonus. You just give a part of that as a first fruits offering off your increase. It's not your weekly income because that's the tithe. It's any increase you might have. And it can be whatever you want. It can be 5%, it can be 50%, it can be the whole lot. I know people who give a first fruit when they get a new job and they pay that whole first check. Whatever it is, first fruits is given out of thanksgiving and a recognition. And the recognition is this, God has given me this increase. It's acknowledging God and saying, God, you have given me this increase. And so out of thanksgiving and recognition, I'm going to give you a first fruits offering off it. First fruits. And so it bridges both testaments because in the New Testament, Jesus is described as the first fruits offering on behalf of all mankind. One son was given so that many sons could be received. And so it bridges both testaments. In Romans, it says, if the first fruit is holy, then the rest will be holy. If you give to God first, whatever you're giving out of will become holy, the whole entirety of it. If the first is holy, the rest will be holy. And so first fruits show that I'm not in love with my bonus or my pay or my income. It shows that I'm thankful to God for the extra that he gives to me. And so the reward, it says, is filled storage places and that we're bursting out. More than any other type of giving, first fruit is truly heart given. It's that joyous thanksgiving, heartfelt, that's the first fruit offering. But so with a purpose, okay, so the the, The motivation is generosity and thanks. The outcome is filled storage and an overflowing. Number three is alms giving. Can you say alms? Not like alms, but A-L-M-S, which means giving to the poor and the need. And this is the type of giving that everyone in the world, Christian or not, understands and resonates with. So someone comes knocking on your door and they're wanting to raise money for the 
the children in the hospital and you say yes and you, you give a monthly amount, you're giving alms. All right, you put a call, we put a call out for um, the Ivory Project. That's arms. You have a sponsor child. That's arms. You have money that you set aside $30 every week and you go and see that guy that's always at the bus stop because he sleeps there and you bring him a coffee and lunch. That's arms. Almsgiving is when you see a need in front of you in humanity and you're moved with compassion. The motivation for almsgiving is compassion. And so you respond and you give to the need of humanity. This is the only type of giving that's given directly to man. The other three types of giving are given directly to God. Almsgiving is what the world recognizes and understands and most most companies and organizations now actually budget for compassion giving in their annual budgets. So sponsor children, food care donations, appeals, all sorts of things. Now the rate of exchange, remember we've been talking about the rate of exchange in that tithing, you're protected, you're blessed with first fruits, you're overflowing with arms. Arms has the lowest yield, possibly because it's the only one that gives to man. And the yield is literally one is to one. So Proverbs 1 says, he who, sorry, Proverbs 19, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and the Lord will repay what he has given. So it's one is to one. So there's no open heaven on almsgiving. God just promises to pay you back the loan that you gave him in caring for the poor. And it's important for us to understand that and what we must do, we must give arms. That's why we exist as Christians. We should be the most compassionate body of people in the whole world to give compassionately. Except the problem is when a person gives arms expecting a rate of return that's ascribed to tithing or first fruits. When the rate of return is one is to one. People give alms and say their giving isn't working, and guess what? It is working. It's working exactly the way that God said it would. Alms giving has the lowest yield. Now picture this. A giver hears of a cause and is moved by compassion, and they think, you know, this week I'm going to give my tithe into this cause that I've been moved to give. It immediately ceases to be a tithe, and it becomes alms giving. Why? Because it's no longer going into the storehouse. And so they, they, I recently heard of a couple that were giving 10% of their income to Compassion, which is awesome. I have two sponsor children, but I give that on top of my tithe because it's almsgiving. And this, this couple were saying, we tithe to Compassion. No, that's not a tithe. That's almsgiving. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so the problem is, and I've heard it a lot, well, I tried tithing and it didn't work. No, you weren't tithing. You were giving alms. And it was working exactly the way God said it would. Now picture this. Tithing rebukes the devourer. So if I'm tithing and I have a sponsor child and God's word is like the apple, a spiritual law, 
I can believe that the devourer is rebuked from snatching that money that I give in arms as it makes its way back to me. It's going to make its way back to me because the rebuker has been, sorry, the devourer has been rebuked. But if I'm not tithing and I give alms and God promises to pay back, one is for one, that money starts making its way back. But guess what? The devourer is prowling around your life. It may not make its way back to you. And then, yeah, you think your giving's not working. No, it's doing exactly the way God said it would behave. Can you see what I'm saying? In the spirit realm out there, it's doing exactly what he said it would do. So it is essential and it's a joyous activity to give alms. And we applaud and, and we honor that act and we do it over and over and over in the life of our church. I know many of you do it individually and personally. But almsgiving, the second thing we need to know about almsgiving is that it must be done privately. We often will share testimonies of the breakthrough that we see from faith, love, hope, from tithing. But the thing about alms, in Matthew 6, it says this, Take heed that you do, your ch- do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they already have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And I believe the reason that arms need to be given in secret is to protect the dignity of the person receiving. Because while they're receiving, we give them space and the opportunity to pick themselves up and dust themselves off. It's up to them if one day they wanna tell the testimony of what God did and how God provided but we do it in secret because we're protecting the dignity of the person receiving it. That's true compassion. Who here has heard of Joyce Meyer? A couple of people. <laughs> we probably all have heard of Joyce Meyer. Can't remember what year it was. 2012 was her second time at City Point Church. And I had the amazing privilege to share the platform with her that day down at Carindale. And beforehand in the green room, um, we were chatting and at, you know, all the pastors and um, one of the pastors, you know, there's always one. He goes, so um, I've read that you have gold toilet seats in your home. And she goes, well, that's why you don't believe everything you read, isn't it? And anyway, we're walking up the back stairs from the green room just before the service because the service was beginning. And she was walking with Pastor Mark Ramsey and I was trailing behind them. And she said, now, Mark, I know you're going to take up a love offering for me. And I just want you to know that I'm going to return it back to you for the She Rescue Home and I'm going to match it dollar for dollar. She paid her own expenses in coming. She paid her own expenses in being and she didn't receive a dollar from us. In fact, she returned it back from, to us and matched it from her own finance. 
And she, that's never written about in the papers, is it? But I want to tell you there's a reason that certain people are in two-thirds of the known world. There's a reason she's on a TV screen in the most unreached people groups of the world. You would be amazed at what her ministry does that she does not even talk about. Whole cities in the third world that she supports financially. And it's all done in secret. And what God sees in secret, He will reward in public. There's a reason certain people get the platform they get. And I saw it with my own eyes. And then I was talking to Pastor Mark about that. I was like, how amazing. And he goes, yeah, she did it last time as well. She never takes a dollar. It's amazing. We've got so many. Oh, do you remember Ju Judas? Who remembers Judas? Judas was Jesus' treasurer. And um, he was Judah's treasurer. And, and what happened was when the woman came and poured out the oil, do you remember, on Jesus' feet and anointed his feet? He did what most Christians do. Not most, sorry, not most, some. The ones whose hearts are not right. He rebuked Jesus and he goes, what a waste. Now listen to this impressive thing I'm about to say, Jesus. Shouldn't that money have been given to the poor? Jesus was accused by Judas of withholding from the poor. We find out later that Judas was actually taking money out of the kitty. I find that the people who complain the most about finance are not giving. I'll just leave that there. We need to guard our hearts from making judgments about anyone. Joyce Meyer does not have gold toilet seats in her home, and yet the world will judge her not knowing what she does in private, just as Judas judged Jesus. We need to guard our hearts from making any judgment about anyone's finances. Just let it be between you and God. What are you giving? How are you responding to Him? I say all the time, if you for a moment think that the church is after your money, please don't give. Please don't. Because our giving must come out of revelation. Our giving must be prompted by thanksgiving. It must be prompted by the Holy Spirit. And when it is, I won't be able to stop you from giving. I won't, it'll just be an outflow of your life. And so the last one, Number four is seed, seed giving. And that's what we do at Faith, Love, Hope. That's what we do when we sow in Faith, Love, Hope. This is a seed and this is my favorite out of all of them. God has moved in my life and in my family through the tithe and the seed like nothing else. In Ecclesiastes, it says, sow in the morning, in the evening and at noonday because you don't know which seed will prosper, this one or that one, or whether they'll both be good. So in the morning and the evening, don't withhold your hand because you don't know which seed is going to be bearing fruit. So, so, Genesis 8.22, while the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, and they shall not cease. Seed time and harvest. Can I tell you, don't celebrate at harvest time. 
because harvest is the end of a season. Celebrate at seed time when you're sowing because that's faith. You are sowing in faith. Galatians 6 verse 7, don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that is what he will also reap. Corinthians 9 verse 6, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The motivation for seed is faith. God, I'm sowing because I know you're going to do something with this. This is a seed. They say you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in a seed. And every seed I sow is in faith. And seed is designed to multiply. So do you remember the rate of return? The rate of return on a seed offering is 30, 60, 100 times. You sow one seed, 30, 60, 100 fold. What the Bible is saying is that you cannot measure the fruit of a seed because a seed has one purpose and that is to bear fruit. So when I sow my seed, I sow with great faith and anticipation. The rate of exchange, 30, 60, 100 fold. The only condition is, obviously, you sow it into fertile soil. You can sow this anywhere. I went through a season where I was tithing into the storehouse and giving a second tithe, a seed into a ministry overseas that I wanted to partner with because I admired. And I did that for a season. You can sow it anywhere. It just has to be good soil. Good soil, obviously, if you plant seed in bad soil in the natural, it's not going to bear a harvest. Same in the spirit. It has to be soil that's reproducing, growing, thriving, and then you activate the reaping process. You know, a farmer doesn't just plant seed and then leave it there. A, father then go, a farmer then goes and harvests the seed. There is an active harvesting where we pray it into being, where we nurture it, we support it, and we don't just leave it to its own devices. We harvest it in the Spirit as well. We call it in. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, The promises of God are in Him, yes and amen, to the glory of God through us. And He who established us in Christ has anointed us, and who has anointed us is God, and sealed us and given us the Spirit, in our hearts as a guarantee. What that means is that there is something coming and delay is not denial. Don't grow weary doing good. Motivation, faith. Rate of exchange, 30, 60, 100 fold. And I've seen the seed offering as the quickest way to stop poverty and cancel debt. 30, 60, 100 fold. Our senior pastor, Mark Ramsey, always says, you will not be poorer for giving. You will be poorer for poor money management, but giving will never make you poorer because God has given you pathways to blessing, breakthrough. It's a spiritual principle. It works every time. You give a tithe, you'll get the return of a tithe. 
You give a seed, you'll get the return of a seed. You give an arm, you'll give the return of the arms. You give a first fruit, you'll get the return of the first fruit. So I want to encourage you tonight in the motivation over all of it, and I've touched on it, but 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. So if anything that I've said has offended you, if anything that I've said has caused a grudge in you, I want to apologize and please don't feel obligated to give. It makes no difference to me whether you give or not. Honestly, but it makes all the difference in the world to you. And the reason I'm passionate and articulate and compelled is because I am just like the rest of us and I am walking in this. No one can tell me otherwise. The person with the argument, the person with an experience is never at the mercy of the person with an argument. I've got both. <laughs> but my experience is the goodness of God around finance. I came from the wrong side of the tracks with no money, family that was lacking. And I came into God and I trusted Him at His word. I promise you. And I know there are many here who will testify to the same thing. God's not after your money. He's after your heart and He loves you and He wants you to be blessed. The enemy wants you to be in lack. The enemy wants you to have not enough. God wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. And it's a whole other message. He who has been given much, much is expected. And so when God trusts us, it's because there's a world out there that needs us to minister to them. That's a whole other message.